This week, Friendshipping is brought to you by Tavor. Tavor is the app for fans of beer, craft brews, and trying new and exciting labels. You sign up in the app and can choose the beers you're interested in, including two new ones daily. Add them to your own personalized crate. Pay for the beers as you add them to your crate, then ship whenever you're ready. The price of shipping doesn't change with the size of your order. Tavor works with only independent breweries around the world. Download on the Apple or Google Store to try Tavor now. T-A-V-O-U-R. Use code FRIENDSHIPPING for $10 off after your first order of $25 or more. Tavor! I'm Jen. And I'm Trin. This This is Friendshipping! And the theme this week is... When your friend wants you to maybe or maybe not edit their work. There's no way to know. Friendship between humans has many benefits But sometimes there is drama and you want to call it quits Don't write nasty subtweets or punch them in the tits View friendship at the problem Trin, trin, trin Life, Jen. life Oh, we got to tease the question first God, I yeah. always forget that no. Okay, so I'll, I'll do my best here to be a little tease We often get asked, like, how do you give feedback on someone's resume or professional email? Or how do you give advice on someone's professional job? And usually the answer is like, don't, unless you're explicitly asked. But this one's even a little more complicated because we don't, we're missing some pieces, right? Yeah, um, I would say that the asker this week, so the asker this week is uh, reviewing a friend's uh, a work, a, no- a novel that they are trying to get published. And the asker seems to have given us all the least relevant pieces of information. And I am so <laughs> excited <laughs> to talk about the pieces of information that you actually need to make this determination, which I believe that the asker has, but just doesn't know that he has. And we will get into that shortly. Jen, 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 we are here today on this podcast. Um, how are you? Oh, that's a hell of a question. So, it is. Um, you know, I'm, I, don't usually, I don't usually share too much on the show, but I'll share this week because why not? Because it ends happily. Content warning, I'm going to talk for just a little bit here about a car accident. Uh, but again, it ends it ends happily. So the reason we didn't record last week is because I was on my way to the ER to visit my dad who had been involved in a really bad car accident. And so that's that's my dad, that's my parent. And I only have one one parent now. The other one passed away, unfortunately. So I'm kind of protective of this one, you know, like I'd yeah. really prefer I'd prefer to keep him out of the ER. Unfortunately, um but <laughs> um so he was in the ER suffering some um some injuries, but none of them were like critical. And then he moved to a progressive unit in the hospital, and now he's in a rehab part of the hospital, like learning how to uh, stand up again without excruciating pain. You know, he's having uh, like, you know, he's chest pains, back pain. He has a broken clavicle. And it has been uh, a whirlwind of a few weeks. Like I have I have uh, been veering wildly between like being angry that this happened and also being so goddamn grateful that it ended this way. God, right. Um, so, yeah, I know. Right. It's like a it's a it's a it's a true. I'm just going to say it's a mindfuck. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's he's going to it's going to be a long road of him like healing because healing takes a long time, especially when you're my dad's age. But yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic for the first time in a while and I'm holding on to that optimism. And uh, I believe that easier days are ahead. Jen, I'm really happy to hear you say that. I, I mean, you've been on my mind. Of course you have. Yeah. And I just feel like um, 
you don't deserve uh, the amount of <laughs> diarrhea that the universe has been dumping over your head lately. And yeah, I, thank you've you. maintained perspective uh, in a way that I don't know that I could. I don't know. You're tough as fuck. One of the life-affirming things, just like what you were saying, Trin, is like my friend Lynn said like, hey, this is too much. If you need to go scream in the woods, everyone would understand. Oh, yeah. And I was like, it was so life-affirming to hear someone say, yes, this is too much for a person. But that was, I, just to put this in perspective, that was a week ago when it was too much. And now it is, it is so much more manageable. So yeah, that's, that's where I've been, a little absent, a little distracted. However, through, you know what's been really getting me through this week, Trin? And no. this, is not, this is not exaggerating. Uh, the changes in your life. Oh, oh, ooh, Jen. Um, if I transitioned, you, a transition. Uh, there have been some changes in uh, my household of late. I have been growing out my bangs again, <laughs> and uh, and I don't really love it. It's like you know I'm got this side swoop thing going, but um my guy who cuts my hair, Buddy, his name's Buddy, which I've never known a person just named Buddy and not nicknamed by their father like Sport and Champ. Um, this is a special, a Texas special is is Buddy as a first name. I feel like, uh, and he's wonderful. And he was like, okay, girlfriend. Uh, if you don't want your hair uh, cemented to your forehead with your sweat and the Dallas humidity, you're going to have to grow out your bangs. And I said, fuck it, I guess. And so here I am with bangs down to my cheekbones. And um, all I want to do is set my hair on fire. Um, that's what you were talking about, right? <laughs> no, but I, I, I love any trend hair update. But I was actually that's not actually the update oh, I was personally oh. searching for. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the fact that I got a freaking dog. <laughs> you got a dog. There's a new mammal in your household. You're officially outnumbered. Oh, my God. Two-leggeds versus two-leggeds versus V4-leggeds. Oh, my God. The the quadrupeds in this household, uh, they are running the house. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I've, I've even said to myself, like, if we got another pet, a third pet, it can't be a cat. It has to be a dog. <laughs> um, and Jen... Uh, she looks like a a beautiful Labrador mix, but really she's a gigantic lazy house cat and I love her so much. I love her too. Tell everyone her name, her full Josie. name. Josie. I love Josie. Josie's great. Um, so we got this dog uh, a couple of weeks ago and um, Jen, I'm going to give them like the brief overview. Are you ready to strap in for dog talk? Of course. So a couple of weeks ago, my partner showed me this picture of this puppy that was uh, up for ado adoption. And his name was Buster. And he was a beagle chihuahua mix, a real little guy. And he really only intended to be like, oh, look how cute this dog is. And what I said was, why don't you apply for that dog? See if we get the dog. <laughs> yes. Oh, and I didn't know this part of the story. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I, it's like like all the other stories in my life. I never remember who knows what, and so oh, I, I do that too. I just yeah. always have my fingers crossed that my friends listen to my podcast so that they will gather any information that I neglected to tell them. Uh, but, <laughs> so we applied for Buster, and we did not get Buster. And uh, this, of course, was not completely out of the blue. Connell and I have talked about getting a dog since we we were dating, like since we we met years and years ago. We were like, oh, we need to get thirteen dogs and live in a mountain together that's what we're gonna do so it wasn't like out of the blue but it was very very much like most of the major decisions I've made in my life which is that I dithered over it for years and years until one day I decided that I am ready to make a decision and then I went full throttle 
we went from like zero to dog in 48 hours. So <laughs> so we went to go see Buster and then we went to like a PetSmart and like met some adoptive dogs there. We applied to more dogs online and and then we applied to a dog named uh, Layla, who was so, so cute. And the foster family contacted us back and said, well, Layla's got adopted, but we have a really wonderful dog, uh, Jolene is what she was named at the time, who we know gets along with cats because we mentioned to the foster family that we've got some cats and we need a dog that will be chill. And the foster family had five cats and this dog was, was very relaxed with them. So we were like, OK, well, let's go. Let's go meet this dog. We go see the dog and... Literally, Jen, when she walked out of the house, I knew that was my dog. <laughs> like, oh, I know that feeling. Isn't it a beautiful one? Oh. It's just, it's so, because like, so I didn't choose my two cats. Roast Beast and uh, Dargo Boogers were both found. Like I, my roommate found right. Roast Beast. Um, a good friend of ours uh, found Boogers. And 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 I was always I'm always been great with that. Like, I love that fate brought these animals into my life. So this was the first time that I was like, oh, I've seen other dogs. And no, it's you, dude. You're my dog. And so we go in there and we sit down and uh, she puts her head in my lap and I <sighs> almost cried. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Yeah, no. I would. Uh, and and yeah, and it's been really wonderful ever since. And uh, it, we're she's been here for two weeks. Um, and I and I didn't want to tell anybody until she was officially my dog because we did a a one week foster trial to make sure that she was good with the cats, and she still is. I have three pets now, and every day I, I try and spend time with all of them. And I swear to God, Jen, I will sit down with one of them and be like, this one's my favorite. And then I'll go to the next (laughs) one and be like, no, I was wrong. It's this one. And it's just been a cycle of that (laughs) throughout. I just, uh, it's a good, it's a good time over here. And I want to fly you down so that you can mush on my dog. Yeah, I I seriously want to come this fall. I think that would be really fun. And I wasn't kidding when I said that the Josie news was getting me through the last week. Um, That sounds like an exaggeration, but really it brought me so much joy knowing that you found Josie and Josie found you. And she looks so comfy and relaxed in all those photos. It looks like she really made herself at home. I'm glad you think so. I hope so. Uh, again, it, I, I'm having a hard time like interpreting dogs, but like so far so good. We were talking earlier about the 333 rule of rescuing dogs. And um, I only saw this on one website. So maybe this, it's just this one guy who thinks this and it's not a real thing. But what they say is that in three days after you bring your dog home, they'll start to calm down. Three weeks after that, they will uh, feel comfortable enough to start being bad. And then three months in <laughs> is when they're like they're comfortable and their personality is fully out. So I'm really excited to just kind of like see how this unfolds. Yeah, especially because she's young. Like she's going to figure some she's still learning. She's still figuring out like her preferences. And I can't wait to see when she when she starts to test the limits. Like Mavi usually knows, like even now that we've had her forever, she usually knows when she's being bad and she kind of keeps an eye on us to measure like, can I get away with this? (laughs) Oh, gosh, I can definitely see her doing that. I always see Mavi in her face like all of the time. Yeah, that lab resemblance. Yeah, she's uh, she looks exactly like a black lab, except that she has like a white chest and white feet and she's huge. She's like pushing 60 and she's she's only a year and three months. We'll see where the hell that goes. Oh, yeah, Uh, she's going to grow. And she's got little socks on. She does. Her little dancy shoes. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Okay, we can have this whole conversation be about dogs because this is the thing. 
and this is real for real guys listen 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 good um it's okay to not like dogs it's okay to not care about people's pets so for every listener who skipped through that whole thing just know we see you we understand you and it's totally okay people have different interests i actually have a a, a true amount of respect for people that are outwardly like really care about dogs. I don't really like dogs. Like not not ironically, I really think it's really cool to know in a world of dog loving weirdos like me, I think it's really cool when you're like, I know my preferences and I'm never going to adopt a dog or make myself do that. Like I think <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Um speaking of knowing one's preferences, uh, today on the show, we'll be answering a question uh, from a dude who is really, really unsure as to what uh, his friend's preferences are in regards to editing his work. Uh, Jen, I have no idea who reads this week. I think you're up. I think All you right. might be up. All right. Time to read this son of a bitch. <laughs> Pronouns, he, him. Oh, that goes at the end. <laughs> Never mind. Hi, Trin and Jen. That's weird. I don't think anybody has ever said uh, Trin and Jen. Not in that order. No, no. No, no, no. I'm taken aback by this and I'm going to correct it because I just, I can't do it. Hi, Jen and Trin. (laughs) Hi, Jen and Trin. I'm looking for advice about how to provide feedback to a friend on his writing. My friend, who I'll call Kevin, wrote a novel that he's trying to get published. He's submitting it to publishers, trying to find an agent, and jumping through all those hoops that new authors have to deal with in order to have a shot in the traditional publishing space. He's also having people in his life read it to offer their feedback, and I'm one of the people with access to a copy. The problem is that when I consider my reaction to Kevin's writing, the word that keeps coming to mind is amateurish. I don't want to provide specific examples, but a lot of the advice that I've seen for new writers is stuff that Kevin completely ignores in this book. Maybe he knows about all this advice and just made a deliberate stylistic choice to do something different, or maybe he hasn't heard the same advice I've heard. Either way, to me, picking up this book, I get a strong sense of an inexperienced writer. I want my friend to turn his novel into the best book it can be, but I also don't want to hurt his feelings with harsh criticism. How can I best gauge his interest in and willingness to engage with critiques? I've considered sending an email just asking what kind of feedback he's looking for without saying anything one way or another about my reaction to the book so far. Do you have any suggestions for how I can phrase things in the email or in further communication so I could be honest and also preserve the friendship? This would be easier on me if Kevin and I were very close friends and I felt I could tell him anything and he'd take it well but I just don't know Kevin well enough to feel comfortable with these difficult conversations. For even further context, I have some experience as a professional proofreader. However, I don't have experience as a professional editor. Depending on how interested Kevin is in my more negative feedback, I could see myself offering to serve as an editor, but I'm also daunted by the idea. Sincerely, picky proofreader. Okay, so, huh, there's a lot to unpack here, isn't there? Indeed. Um, And before we do, before we start to answer some of your questions about how to approach this, what to say, what to do, we have to rewind, we have to rewind the clock, and uh, you need to go back and think in your brain, Asker, and um, you need to tell us, did Kevin ask you individually to give your feedback on his work? Did you receive a personal individual request? Like, because you said you are one of the people with access to a copy. So to me, that sounds like he shared it a Google Doc with like 15 people and was like, yeah, everyone, you can take a look if you like. Because how you were approached here really matters. I want you to take that into consideration for whatever you do next. You need to answer a few questions. 
So first of all, what was asked of you specifically? There are many things he could have said, like, I'd love to know what you think. Or maybe he shrugged and was like, eh, sure, go ahead and read it. Or maybe he said something really thoughtful and personal to you, like, hey, I'm new at this and I understand that I'm starting at a disadvantage. I could use all the help I could get, that sort of thing. If any of those things were said out loud, you should simply honor those things. Maybe he gave you a deadline. Did he ask you to please give him feedback before something happens, like a paid editor reviews it or his agent has a look at it? Then those kinds of scenarios lend themselves to more feedback and more criticism. But really, we need to know how you were asked and what he asked of you, because his opinion is what matters. His ask is the thing that we're fulfilling. We're not giving him feedback because it feels good, you know? Yes, yes, exactly. We want you to do what he asked um, if you feel up to it. You know, if he's like, I want your 10 out of 10 feedback and I want you to review the whole thing. And you're like, I don't have time for that. Well, then then you don't do it. You don't do it. That would be that would be a, a bad idea, actually. Um, but we need you to go back in, in time here and think like, what did Kevin really want? Did he personally ask me for my help? Yeah. I wonder if Kevin acknowledged in any capacity that you know more than he does about writing books. Because that's that's also a tricky scenario, Uh, because if he's reaching out to you because of your paid proofreading experience, one, it's a little a little iffy because he's asking you to do something for free that you usually get paid to do, which is like, eh. or he's asking you because of your experience, because he wants you to really, really proofread it. And if he mentioned that. If he said, I'm coming to you because of your advanced skill set, then that is another scenario that lends itself to more details, more feedback. But yeah, Jen, I, I agree with you. I, I can see this document, like a Google document of this novel being shared with just a bunch of people. Because in my opinion and in my experience, when somebody vaguely asks for feedback on their work, they are generally looking for praise. Support. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, when they're like, hey, will you take a look at this? That usually means like, tell me this is okay. Tell me this is good. Tell me if you see anything glaring. And it sounds like you've already cracked this thing open and seemed a lot and seen seen some some things that you consider errors. So that's an interesting place to be. And so now, like, what what now, Trin? <laughs> well, so let's let's take this apart piece by piece. So here are the unknowns. You don't know what the deliverable is, or you do, and you just didn't put it in the question. But we don't know what the deliverable is. Maybe he wanted you to give him pages and pages of feedback, or maybe the deliverable is um, tell me uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. You know, maybe he's like, I'm looking for a pass fail. Like, should I keep going with this or not? There are so many different levels here. So I think that figuring that out by, again, going back in time to the question and thinking that through will be helpful. And then also, yeah, we're going to we're going to ask Kevin. We're going to ask Kevin for clarification. You asked specifically, how can I best gauge his interest in and willingness to engage with critiques? I would say ask vague questions and then ask specific questions. So you're going to get more and more specific as you go. You would say to Kevin in this next conversation something like, I'm about to crack open your novel because we're going to lie to Kevin. It's just straight up, we're going to lie yeah. to Kevin today. Okay. <laughs> like Kevin is not going to know the truth. I'm about to crack open your novel. And before I do, I'd love to know what kind of feedback you're looking for. And I would even mention the fact that you have paid proofreading experience if Kevin hadn't mentioned that before. Saying something like, as you know, I've worked in publishing and I could give you a really thorough critique if you'd like. 
if that's something you want to offer, that's a really good time to do it. But don't offer it if you don't want to do it. (laughs) Exactly. Or if you want to find like a happy medium there, um, you could offer to read the first five pages or something or the first chapter, like put a limit on it. This is a lot of work. Trin, I love your idea of being vague and then being specific. You can, when you, when you get specific, you can, you can ask him things like, do you want copy edits or do you want me to judge the content? You know, right. like, are you going to leave notes in the margins that are like, hey, I think a comma goes here? Or are you going to leave notes in the comments that are like, why is the protagonist doing this? You know, like those are very, very different. Yes. And those are both valid ways to give somebody feedback. So uh, we want to be really clear that when you ask this, it's not just to spare this person's feelings. It's also that if they have a clear idea of what they want their novel to be, and you are saying, I think that the protagonist should be this instead, that's not helpful feedback because they, they want to write a book about this, right? So conceptually, like I, they may want feedback. Um, and, and general feedback is a perfectly reasonable thing to ask for. Um, I think it would be even a little unreasonable for him to say, I want your intense critique start to finish if you hadn't offered that. Because, again, that feels like calling in your friend who's a plumber to fix your uh, obscenely clogged toilet. You know what I'm saying, Jen? Absolutely. I mean, that would take hours and, and days of not just like being in the in the document, but also of thinking about it. Yeah. And that's 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 I mean, that's a paid profession. There's a reason, Trin, that write, uh, writing our book took, took so long is because the editors needed a lot of time with it. It takes a lot of time and they were paid. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of like pinkish and reddish flags in this. And I I personally think you need to take the smoothest, easiest route out of this whole thing while still helping Kevin a little bit. Only helping, not hurting or digging into his work. And the reason I'm getting that impression is because you seem concerned personally, Asker, about your ability to give feedback in a nice way. Yeah. You You didn't tell us like, I know I can give feedback that won't hurt his feelings, or I'll be really careful and make sure that I am still supportive of Kevin. And I want to be clear, giving feedback is a very valuable skill. It's just, it's very tricky to introduce to a friendship. And you use the phrase, preserve the friendship. So my personal belief is that if you are giving, if you are worried about preserving the friendship, then you don't give the feedback. Then you don't take this on. Like I had a friend, um, I had a, fr- a colleague recently ask me if I could, if I would spend some time reviewing someone else's resume. And it was someone I didn't really know. And she even offered to pay me, which was sweet, but I, I don't need, I, I turned down the money because um, it was not a big deal. Um, But anyway, so she said, this is my close friend's resume. And honestly, I'm too close to her to like look to look at this. And uh, I don't really want to give feedback like our friendship isn't like that. Would you mind looking at it as like someone who does it was a third party objective person? And I was like, oh, that's that's really smart. You understood the dynamic that you didn't want to introduce feedback into this dynamic. And maybe it sounds like you don't either. Jen, and also, so another pinky red flag that's concerning, but also like just intriguing to me is. Most of this question is about how bad the book is, but you actually (laughs) end on working with a friend to make a novel as good as it can be sounds fulfilling. Why? Why do you want to sign on to this book? I, I can't tell if the book is better than you are making it out to be in this question, or the book is a very good idea hidden in bad writing, such as, oh man, I'm, you know, like, I, if you see promise in this book and you want to work on it, you can sign on for that. 
But that is embarking on a completely different relationship than you currently have with Kevin. You would be starting a professional relationship with Kevin if you wanted to partner up on this book. And based on the fact that he's not one of your closer friends, based on the fact that you do not seem to have a lot of faith in his writing, that seems like a really bad idea to me. Yeah, me too, because I, I doubt your ability to put the friendship first. And that's not a dig on you. No. This is a hard thing. This is like very difficult layer. There's a reason I've only written one book with one person, okay? <laughs> a lot of, I know a lot of good writers. All my friends are very talented people, but like that doesn't mean you should partner with all of your friends on professional projects. I would say usually the answer is no, you shouldn't do that. Yeah, it sounds like Kevin is maybe a friendly and respected coworker or a friend of a friend or like a tertiary member of one of your friend groups. And I mean, that's not a terrible place to start a professional relationship. Sometimes the closer you are, the stickier it can be because you know each other too well. But I, again, I just feel like the the amount that you're ragging on his work and then saying that you want to work on it. Is, is it that you see promise in this book or that you enjoy having a project and picking things apart? Because having a project and picking things apart is, is so, so different. If you want, you could go get paid to edit people's like term reports and book reports and papers and stuff. That's not what this is. This seems to be a work from Kevin's heart. And I don't think your heart is in it. I think that you find the puzzle of the grammar or whatever is wrong with the book intriguing. And, and I don't think that's a good enough reason to sign on to the project. Yeah, because a novel is not a short-term project. You're not helping him with an, an intro paragraph or, I don't know, a, a personal mission statement or something or a cover letter. Like, you're, this is something that he's poured probably years into. I don't think you need to be the person to tell him his book is crappy. Like, yeah. if it is, if it's, if it's crappy, someone else will tell him, and it doesn't have to be you. That, and I kind of think maybe it should not be you. Yeah. Even if, even if you are a very accomplished copy editor yourself, I just, it doesn't need to be you. And you know what else? No. Lots of crappy books are published every day. Oh, yeah. You know, lots of, lots of things that are so-called bad exist in the world. You can let Kevin make his, his bad art. I mean, that's a relatively harmless piece of bad art. He'll figure it out. <laughs> He'll learn. Let's also entertain the idea that the Oscar could be completely fucking wrong. <laughs> like, Yep, that's so true. What if this is a bestseller in two years from now? Ooh, egg on your face. Right? Um, you know what? I'm going to show my ass a little bit, Jen. Are you ready to see it? Yes. Yes, show me. <laughs> so uh, I empathize a great deal with the Oscar. Because I, and I may, maybe, again, it could be just me projecting on the asker like I like to do, but I see a word nerd in here, like somebody yeah. who just really loves doing this. And when you are a trained professional in something that you love, sometimes it can make you a little bit protective of it. So I am a little oh, concerned yes. that Kevin's book isn't actually all that bad, but you feel protective of the art of writing and you feel like you should be the gatekeeper. And again, Asker, I f it feels like we're going hard on you, but like we, we think you're fine. <laughs> These are just things that float around in everybody's head when we have a talent, when we have a skill set, when we have expertise. Uh, it, it's okay, but you have to acknowledge that. Don't be like me. Don't be like the story I always tell where uh, a dear friend of mine showed me a poem she wrote. And I said, um, I think I said something like, uh, that's really great for somebody who never studied writing. 
Like that was the worst. And I was 22 and I forgive myself since. But people who create art, who are passionate about art can be that way. We can get that way. It's a we. I'm in there too, dude. So like you're not alone. But make sure that that's not what's happening. You don't know best. You may know better than Kevin, but you don't know best. That's so true. Man, I'm I'm also protective over the genre of of writing and, and a couple other things um, just in my skill set. I feel like probably capital capitalism is probably the reason we're protective over them um, or just like our own insecurities. I don't know. But anyway, as soon as I feel like I know best about something, I'm introduced to someone that absolutely blows me out of the water. Like I was brought into a, a, a meeting uh, a couple months ago to like help someone get a book off the ground, um, just like a 20 minute consultation. And I've written one book and um, some, the other person in the meeting had published nine. So it was clearly turned into an info session where we're all asking this person questions. He was very <laughs> humble and kind and thoughtful and was not like speaking down to us at all. But it's very clearly like, no, no one really. There's always someone. There's always a bigger fish. Yeah, man. That's something that we as human beings just in general have to keep reminding ourselves. It is so hard to be a human being and remember that you don't know everything and that your experience is limited to just the things that you have experienced. Uh, it's, I know. It's hard, dude. Like, that's a very, very, very human thing. I mean, we've been all over the place here um, talking about the answer to this question. And again, I think it's because the most relevant pieces of information aren't actually present in this question. We don't know what he asked you. We don't know how he asked you. We don't know who the other people he asked to read the thing, who they are to him. We don't really understand your relationship with him. And we also don't actually understand how you feel about this book because you both say that it's terrible and you also imply that it's good enough for you to put your name on. So where the hell are you, dude? Where are you at? I think you've got some feelings to sort out here. And I think no matter what, no matter what thing you do next, uh, no matter what you decide or how you figure out, I really hope you will start from a place of congratulations for Kevin. Yeah, he finished a freaking novel. He finished a novel and he's in the phase of showing it to people. That's a big deal. That's an accomplishment. That's a hell of a thing. Even if the novel doesn't like ever see the light of day beyond this, that is ex excellent writing training this person has given themselves. Like, I haven't finished a book by myself ever. You know, if nothing else, Asker, one thing that is a really nice thing that you could say to Kevin is congratulations on finishing your first novel. Because no matter how bad it is or what kind of feedback he gets, when you say first novel, hey, it's your first book, it's your first try, it reminds him that this is the place that he's growing from. Uh, that the next book is going to be better. No matter how good this current book is, the next one's going to be even better. And he will learn things from there. Um, so, so you keep that in mind. And also keep that in your back pocket in case you need a little uh, compliment that's not fully a compliment because it doesn't actually compliment anything that happened yet. That's really nice, Trin. I like the idea of being clever in a nice way. Ooh, congrats on your first novel. Because then Kevin will be like, my first, well, <laughs> I'm going to be prolific? Thank you. That's so nice of you to think that. When you make starting out, making mistakes, getting messy, when you, when you make those things sound appealing, it is just such a favor to do for somebody. Because we people, you know, people who have normal amounts of insecurity, I would say, we can sometimes beat ourselves up for how bad our first try is. Don't be the person who beats up Kevin on his first try. Yeah, yeah, because that, that'll probably, the world will do that, um, I feel. Yeah, Jen, that's um, a good point. <laughs> 
I feel like, and that doesn't have to fall to you as a friend, you know, if he gets a ton of rejection letters, that he can learn the lesson that way. He doesn't need to learn the lesson through a friend. That's not, I don't think that's a role for a friend to take on. Yeah. And if he does get all those rejection letters, reminding him that this book was so good that for a moment you forgot how full your schedule was and you almost told him you wanted to sign on as editor. That's how good the idea was. That's that's a nice thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Just because there's no compliments to Kevin in this um, in this note to us, which is fine. But um, make sure there's a couple supportive comments, I think. Uh, going forward. Like, be your own editor in this case. And next time you reach out to Kevin, sprinkle in some niceties. You know, I I don't think I don't think that'll cost you very much. And, you know, Asker, honestly, you're doing okay. I'm really glad that you came to us with this rather than saying, hey, Kevin, I have a list of every error and uh, I have it all collated for you and I'm going to slide it under your cubicle door for whatever you are ready to peruse. You didn't do that. Um, you are, you've already put a lot of thought into this and you care about how Kevin feels. And man, that's a great place to start from. And if you ultimately decide that you don't want to do this for any reason, like I don't have the time or I don't trust myself to be not too harsh on this, I expect Kevin will totally understand. You can say, you can say something like, so awesome that you've, you've finished a whole novel. That's incredible. Um, I, I can't personally give this the time it deserves, but I'm rooting for you. That's a really good, that's a really good response, Jen. I really like that. The time it deserves. That just feels so like, oh, you feel like my project deserves your time. That's very special. Thank you. Doesn't that feel good to hear? Like, and plus, you know, there's, um, you know, there's usually compensation involved anyway. Um, but true. But it's, it's also true to say, like, I'm not retired and I don't have hours to kill <laughs> um, reading your novel. I'm sorry, buddy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And honestly, the fact that Kevin shared this work with a multitude of people, you are not the only one, kind of tips us off that your opinion, while very, very valuable, it's not the only one. So he will not be without at any lack of opinions at any point in this process. So if you want to keep your opinions to yourself, you absolutely can. And I don't think that would be harmful. Oh, that is such good advice, Trin. Man, yeah, I feel like we haven't touched on that in a while on on our show. Like sometimes friendship is keeping your opinions to yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so are, are we're ready for an in conclusion then, Jen. Jen, you want to start us off on the in conclusion? Yeah, let me think. Okay, so our in conclusion is he- here is that we want you to spend um, some time digging a little deeper into the the how this came up, the why this came up. And we want you to ask yourself, like, should I should I do this? And if I do this at my 100 percent, what is what what are the potential fallouts or consequences of that? Like, what if what if I hurt Kevin's feelings and he never wants to write again? Um, think <laughs> think of, to give a range of possibilities of what what could happen, what could go right, what could go wrong. Yeah. And there's no planning for every scenario. So at some point, you're going to have to get more information from Kevin. And whether that's you thinking back into the distant past when Kevin asked you to read this book, what did Kevin actually say to you? Uh, And then also follow up questions like, uh, what exactly are you looking for here, Kevin? Uh, Are you looking for lots of nitpicky grammatical help? Do you want me to just kind of have a look at the concept and let you know what I think? Give him some options. And I, I really think that This is a kind thing that you are doing for Kevin. You are reading the work of his heart and you are putting a lot of thought into how you deliver your opinion. Keep doing it. Keep being thoughtful. Um, You are, no matter what, on the right track. Yeah, that's a good point. I just want to quickly acknowledge like the fact that the asker hit the pause button on this. um, 
is very indicates a lot of like kindness and thoughtfulness. That's pretty great. Yeah. Like at the very least, the asker cares about Kevin's feelings, which poor Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) This has been Friendshipping with Jen and Trin. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at Do Friendship. Uh, If you'd like to buy our book, freaking do it. Um, You can go to our website, uh, friendshipingpodcast.com. There's a link to look at the book. And also, if you want to ask us a question, you can go to that very same website, friendshipingpodcast.com, and you can click the little dingus in the corner that says get in touch, and then you will do so. You will get in touch after you click that button. Thank you, goddammit, Ian, so much for editing. I'm so (laughs) exhausted, and Ian is cutting out so much rambling and possibly even what I'm saying right now. Thank you, Monica Verma, our agent. Thank you, Molly Lewis, for singing and creating our theme song. Lauren Gallagher, your design work is impeccable on our website. And hey, audience, thank you for listening. You're welcome for talking. Your friendship at the problem. In conclusion, uh, no, we already said in conclusion. God damn it, I'm so tired. Uh, sorry, Ian, I was up at 3.30 with my dog that I have now, I guess. Um, <laughs> 